Welcome again to another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. As always, that is AJ. He is the green. I am Ken. I am the beige. And this is another episode of the Green Beige Podcast. AJ, how is it going, my friend? I think it's good, you know. If, if Disney didn't absolutely botch my favorite movie franchise, I'd be a bit excited about Star Wars Day tomorrow, you know. But... I know, I'm no, I, I know for sure I'm just going to see three of those terrible movies on TV tomorrow. But yeah, Ex- excited to watch some. I, I, I do it every Star Wars day. I have to watch at least a couple. Understood. Understood. Well, as everybody knows, we record this on Monday. So, of course, tomorrow is May 4th. And may the force be with you all. Today is... Post-draft day for the Green Beige podcast. And off the rip, we are going to start looking at, well, we're going to look back at the draft. So this NFL draft was a bit different compared to many of the drafts in especially recent years. This year, we had first the first three picks going to quarterbacks. This is the third time in the draft era that that has happened. The first seven picks were all on the offensive side of the ball, and this was the latest that a defensive player has ever, well, the first defensive player was ever drafted. And the Alabama Crimson Tide, they had six players drafted in the first round, which tied the 2004 Miami Hurricanes as the school with those number of players drafted in the first round. And they were the first school with a quarterback, a running back, and two wide receivers drafted in the first round. So AJ, off the rip, of these different things I just highlighted, which of these matter the most to you? We can talk about the other stuff. We can we can look at them individually as we go on. But which one jumps out to you the most? Um, actually, I thought these were very interesting. I think both of them are major, right? Um, but the fact that, like you said, the the six players in the first round for the Crimson Tide it ties, um the record that the Canes held in 2004, right? Yes. And I, I as much as that is is very interesting to me, um, we kind of know how that that Alabama is probably uh, arguably the best football program in the country, right? So every year since Nick Saban, not, not every single year, but since Nick Saban has taken over, they've, the program has, has been um, exponentially grown. And they've always had like a number of players um, they had four first round picks at five different times, 2011, 12, 17, 18, 20, three picks in 2013 and 19, two picks in 2010 and 2014. So I'm saying this to say, for me, I felt like this day, this, this sort of uh, um, draft year for them was always coming, right? When they had, when they would exceed the limit of four. Um, even if it's just an outlier year, but based on, on the strength of the program, I felt like that would happen. So for me, the, for, the former uh, that you listed is more important. Um, because like you said, it's the third time in the draft era that QBs went with the first three picks. And in addition to that, it was actually, um, there were actually eight quarterbacks taken in the first three rounds, which is also the most in draft history. And and he said later, it's the latest uh, defensive player has ever been taken. Um, when JC Horn went to the Panthers at eight, 
Um, yeah, and then the next defensive play immediately followed him. But for me, this is for me this is more important um, because it shows how much one how much offensive talent was in this draft, and two where the NFL is headed, um, and that's offense is quarterbacks, their protection, and their playmakers. And like I said, um, the, the draft was stacked with talent, right? Um, from the receivers to the linemen, which kind of perfectly fits into the MO of, of the NFL in the last few years. And we, we've seen rule changes to, to, to even uh, um, basically that exhibit this, right? That they're trying to go a lot more offensive. So, yeah, for me, it's, it's just that the league is going more offensive. Teams are focusing on being more offensive and it, it, it's kind of, it, it shows. No, for me, when I looked at these, at these headlines for this draft, <clears throat> the one that jumped out to me the most was the quarterbacks going one, two, and three. No, as you said, this is only the second time that Alabama has, well, that six, players from a single program have been picked in the first round of the NFL draft. And I'll come back to that in a second. But the reason why the quarterbacks jumped out to me, as you perfectly stated, we know that the NFL right now is a quarterback-driven league, and they've been making all of the changes to make it more offensively driven. They think that the fans <clears throat> prefer to watch two teams finish 45-42, rather than to see them finish 10-7. So from that perspective, the rules have always been sliding towards the offense. And as a result, when we also look at the teams that were positioned at one, two, and three, those teams were more than likely positioned there because they didn't have a quarterback. Now, we also saw some um, maneuvering happen late, well, before the draft even happened, so that others could get into position so they could take a quarterback. And we know that unless you have a quarterback, you do not have a chance at success in the NFL. Now, the, the thing about the, the six players from one program being drafted in the first round, that program incidentally being the national championship program, for this season, to me, it just helps to highlight the imbalance in the NCAA football tournament. It also helps to show that in a lot of cases, remember we, we've come on here and I have said before that I am not a fan of Alabama. I am not a fan of Nick Saban. One of the main reasons why I'm not a fan of Alabama and Nick Saban is because Alabama and Nick Saban are always Goliath. They almost always have one of the top recruiting classes. They almost always have some of the most talent, both on offense and defense. They do not usually have a good quarterback. And we'll get back to their quarterback a little later on in the show. But this season, they had a good quarterback. The Heisman winner was their wide receiver. They've had one of the top five defenses in the, in the NCAA every single year. So it's difficult for me to root for the team that seems to get all of the riches in 
a situation where you're not supposed to be able to stack your team like this. Players want to play. And if I'm a four-star recruit, am I going to go to Alabama to sit down behind the five-star recruits and don't get any play? It doesn't really make any sense. You have, situ- you have players like, um, what's his name from the Eagles? that left there and went to Oklahoma, the quarterback, Jalen Hurts. So you have Jalen Hurts, who was the starting quarterback for the Crimson Tide. And they then decided, well, hey, you know, you can't quite get it done in this national championship game. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to sit you down and start Tua Tango Vailoa in the second half. And Tua wins the championship. Tua is the starting quarterback for the next season. And Hertz is gone to get placed somewhere else. It it bothers me when I see how much talent is just stockpiled on Alabama. So to see them have six players go in this draft, of course, Matt Jones being in there and Devonta Smith being the two headliners, it doesn't surprise me. So that's why my my vote then goes towards the the three quarterbacks going one, two, and three. At the same time, they consider that the program is so good. You're looking at it from the other perspective, the program is so good that a lot of, of the um, recruits tend to want to go there to prove themselves because they know how, how highly touted the program is, not just within the NCAA spectrum, but at, um, in the NFL as well. But, I mean, it does give them a clear path to the league because the majority of the starters do get drafted, not even just to say that. They make it to the league sometimes as undrafted free agents, but they do get a draft, a draft place somewhere within these seven rounds. So, yes, if you are an upper echelon athlete, it makes sense. I'm not saying that I don't understand it. I'm saying I don't like it. That all of these players are going to Alabama. No, one of the things too that was made mention of is that the SEC in general dominated the draft. I don't have the numbers in terms of the number of picks and the number of players that have been drafted from the SEC. But the majority of the players who were taken, especially in the earlier rounds, were from the SEC compared to the other divisions. And it shows that the SEC is the strongest conference, the Southeastern Conference is one of the strongest, if not the strongest conference within the NCAA. And I will salute the entire SEC because there's a whole division that understands that they have to recruit, they have to do what they have to do to compete against Alabama. You, you have the Ohio State Buckeyes, who is one of the college bluebirds. You have the Georgia Bulldogs, who's another. And a lot of these schools, they tend to be very um, local in their recruiting. And especially for a team like Georgia, you have like all of Georgia to pull from. And you can get people from Florida. Ohio State, they have their niche as well. But players come from all over the country to go to Alabama. I guess I'm not hating on a man to do what he has to do to get himself where he's going. I personally just don't like the Crimson Tide. They love athletes. 
they love athletes. I can't, I get you, I get you. But I mean, they love athletes. If you uh, did, you even know that that um, Karani James from Grenada, who was the 400 meter um, Olympic champion in mm-hmm. not the last Olympics, the one before that, yeah, he's, he's crimson tied as well. Got his scholarship there. Men love athletes. I mean, they love the him. talent. They love the talent and the talent recognizes, you know, it's a good program all around. Yeah, I mean, good for him. That is great for him. I'm happy for all of them. Honestly, I'm happy <laughs> not just for the for the Alabama players, but for all of the guys who have been drafted. Congratulations <laughs> to you. This is what you have worked hard for. And now is where you get an opportunity to make your mark at the higher level. Now, AJ, I have mention of the maneuvering and the finagling that some of these teams made or did to get up in the draft, especially to grab quarterbacks. But it was not just the quarterbacks or the, the trades to get quarterbacks that happened. So we had a lot of trades. A lot of players, a lot of teams gave up some, some pretty big draft hauls to get up and down in this draft. The biggest surprise of the draft was that the Eagles, they made a trade with the Dallas Cowboys so that they, I guess they could say that they were moving up to screw over the Giants. That's the, that's the, uh, the commentary that we've been hearing a lot of since then. Um, the Bears, they traded up from 20th to 11th, and they drafted Justin Fields. The Jets, they traded up from 23rd to 14th to draft Elijah Vera Tucker. And these are just a couple of the examples of the trades that were made. So when you see, when you see these trades that were made, especially when you look at like the amount that was given up to grab some of these players, does any particular trade any of these single trades um, jump out to you more than the others? Um, if you ask the question in that regard, I guess can the Bears, in a sense, um, what the Bears gave up to, to move up to that position? Um, let me see. Wait. Sorry, so the Bears, uh, what it was for? What was it for them? So they traded their first round pick, the 164th pick of this year's draft, and next year's first round pick and fourth round pick to move up from 20 to 11 to get Justin Fields. Right. Um, so yeah, that kind of surprised me in 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 one sense because I I I mean that's too I mean okay so they moved up so then they didn't necessarily lose a first round pick but then you gave up next year's first round pick as well and and obviously I I I rated personally I rated Justin Fields as the second highest prospect quarterback prospect coming out of this draft right mm-hmm. and so I I understand why they would want to move especially after I feel like the Niners shocked everyone by taking Trey Lance so knowing that he was still there, the Bears decided to make their move. But it just, I, I, I don't necessarily think at this, I, I, I don't want to say that it was a lot to give up, but it just kind of shocked me what they did give up for him. Especially since at this point, I, 
given the situation at Matt Nagy and um, what's the GM's name? That ain't coming to me right now. But anyhow, given mm-hmm. the situation that GM and head coach are in right now, they have to they have to put wins on the board. And I don't know if doing that, if putting Justin Field on the field is going to do that from week one. So they may need to be starting Andy Dalton, right? And give Fields a few weeks to get acclimatized with offense and all that. So it it to move up and give up those picks, I I, I guess it wasn't it wasn't terrible, but it just shocked me to, that they were giving up these picks um, in order to take someone who I, I'm not sure is going to be a starter in week one. If, if he does well, I I think he could be ready if, if they run the offense the right way. However, I would be more shocked if he started or not. But I also have to say, aside from this, I also have to say my favorite trade of the night was the Eagles Cowboys trade. And, and I feel like I need to add this in. It was. Because it, I, I, well, you know, I hate the Giants too, and there's no other way I see that this. I feel that like these teams had to be uh, uh, in cahoots. These men conspired to create some some sort of anarchy in that division, and 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 and, and mess up the, the Giants because clearly the Giants were expecting Devontae to fall to them, because after the Eagles moved up, uh, moved up and made that pick, the Giants then traded down. Uh, after that, if you remember. Um, it was right. That was it. Was right after that is when the Bears traded, right? Yes. There we go. So they traded with the Bears then. So clearly, clearly, all they really wanted was was to draft a receiver in Devontae Smith because they still did end up taking Devontae. I mean, I, I love it when enemies become friends. It's always interesting when you see these kinds of things happen because. There is no, there is absolutely no love between the Cowboys and the Eagles, but apparently it could never be. There could never be. But the fact that this happened, I know it has to be. Look, let's work together because we really want this receiver. The well, and we all know the Cowboys weren't going to take a receiver, so the Giants thought they were in in a good position to get Devontae, and then that happened. I was really laughing. I was laughing. I was in a good. I would laugh from a good place that night, boy. Seriously. Yeah, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. That that is the. Um, that's really? that old the Dutch and <laughs> and the fact that the Cowboys didn't make that trade with the Eagles would raise some eyebrows. No, for me, one of the things that actually, just like you, the, the trade that made me stand up and really take notice was the fact that the Bears gave up what they gave up to get Justin Fields. Now, I personally believe that, like most other people, you need to make sure that you have a quarterback because if you don't have a quarterback, your opportunities for success pretty much evaporate immediately. So we know that Andy Dalton, even though he is currently installed as a starter for the Chicago Bears, nobody expects that Andy Dalton is going to be the quarterback that leads him to the promised land. Of course not. Yeah, of course not. So in a lot of cases, <clears throat> what happens with, with these coaches, I think, I don't have any sort of empirical evidence or anything. This is all anecdotal and coming straight from Kane. I often believe that in a lot of these cases, these coaches, they, especially when they're in the position that Nagy is in right now, where he basically has to do his best to keep his job, they will... Go and get the flashy new toy. They will go and they will get the player that the 
franchise is going to get excited about. And when things seem not to necessarily be going the way they want to, then in a, in a way as a try to bite time or curry favor with the fan base, then they say, okay, what we're going to do, we're going to put the rookie in because the rookie is going to, he's going to get some buzz. He's going to help us to, you know, buy some time. And let's say after the first five weeks, the Bears are one and four. So you say Andy Dalton has had five weeks. He hasn't gotten it done. Chances are if we give him two more weeks and we're one and six, we're completely out of the playoff hunt at that point. Chances are ownership is going to look at us and say, well, hey, you guys are not getting it done and they're going to be up out the paint. So let's say one and four, you pull Dalton, you install Justin Fields and you win the next game, two and four. And you win the next game, you get to three and four. The division has historically been a dumpster fire. So you can conceivably think that if you can get to nine or 10 wins, you can win the division and you'll be in the playoffs. So, sorry, that is if you are in the NFC East. Now, the Bears now are in the North. <laughs> we can talk about the North in a second. The North right now is in a bit of an upheaval. But you tell yourself that if you can get to 10 wins or 11 wins, maybe, you can, you can probably sneak into a well-cared spot because the North is still expected to be competitive. So you do that, and maybe you don't quite get there. Maybe you end up finishing 8 and 8, you end up finishing 9 and 7. And your rookie quarterback has now won 7 or 8 games. You will say, well, look at what we have done in development of this quarterback. We would not have been here if we didn't pick him and we didn't develop him. So how about you give us another year to see what else we can do? Sometimes it works. Sometimes it does not. Anthony Lynn in Los Angeles is a perfect example. His circumstances were not quite the same. His quarterback had a puncture gland and couldn't play. He had to stick the rookie in there and his rookie almost got him to the playoffs. But unfortunately for Lynn, he has not carried enough favor that he was given an opportunity to do it again, to try again. So he was gone. So when we look at the situation and we, and we see, especially to what the Bears gave up to get up there, it's only a matter of time. He's not going to be a week one starter, I don't believe, unless Andy Dalton yeah. looks like absolute trash in the OTAs and the preseason and Justin Fields looks like the next um, Joe Montana, that maybe, maybe we will see him in like week two or week three. But I expect that there's going to be some point in time in the season that we are going to see Justin Fields on the field. And I, like you, I had him rated very highly coming into the draft. And I spoke last week about how these experts and prognosticators have excuse me, devalued the guy to the point where he was falling down the board. And if the Bears had not decided that they were going to jump up to 11 to grab him, 
He probably falls to 15. He probably falls. I was really past hoping 15. that, you know. I was really hoping that, but hey. I know. I know you were hoping that, but I mean, it happens. Yeah, it happens. indeed. So, one of the other interesting storylines that came out of this um, year's draft was a lot of reunions. You know, there's that old song, Reunited, and it feels so good. So, I was being played all night, boy. <laughs> there you go. So, in the draft, we had two teammates going to the same team. We had Trevor Lawrence, who went first overall to Jacksonville. And then they traded back into the first round to get Travis Etienne, the running back. We made mention of Devonta Smith, who was picked to go to Philadelphia with his, well, I think they only had one season together, Jalen Hurts when Jalen Hurts was the starter for the Crimson Tide. We have Jamar Chase, who was drafted inexplicably to me by the Cincinnati Bengals to go join with Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. And then there was also Jalen Waddle, the receiver who was drafted to the Miami Dolphins, who is going to now be playing with Tua Tungavailoa. So, AJ, the question I have for you is, when we look at all of this uh, reuniting of these college teammates, quarterbacks and skilled position players, does this matter at all to you? Yeah, I think it does. I think it very much does. And these coaches and GMs know that, which is why, they, which is why we saw so much of it happening. Um, I think it does matter. And, and you know what's funny? All right, so on the night... I was actually thinking, I, I, you know what, I like this question too, because this is, this is something that I was thinking about myself before you even put it on the um, on the, the rundown for today, right? So on the night, I was actually thinking, all right, my choice, like in, in, in all of these um, reunions, my choice was Devontae to the Eagles based on immediate need, the fact that the Eagles desperately needed some playmakers out wide, right? Mm-hmm. What they, who they had last year wasn't doing it, and... Yeah, so I think Devontae is a, is a quality addition to the team, regardless of the quarterback, but having Jalen Hurts there was, was like a bonus. So this, so on draft night, this is what I'm thinking, right? After, after all of these happened. And the thing is, though, when I really studied it, and you, you kind of made mention to it, Devontae and Jalen Hurts played together for two years, 2017, 2018. In 2017, Devontae was a true freshman and he was the least utilized of all of the wideouts. I, I had to go look this up myself, right? He was the least utilized of all the wideouts. Caught eight passes for a total of 160 yards and not even not all of those were even from Hurts because um, even though Hurts was a starter, Tua was coming in for him in, in some games. He placed him in, in some of the games and I know for sure that, mind you, Devontae's eight catches are spread out in eight games. He had one per game. Right, some of those were from two. One of them was a forty-yard, forty-one-yard walk-off in the in the um, national championship. Um, that was against Georgia, to in twenty-eight, yeah, twenty-eighteen for the twenty-seventeen season. So, so, so here it is, right? Some other notable players, i.e., players who ended up in the league, who caught more passes than him in this same twenty-seventeen: Damian Harris, Bo Scarborough, Josh Jacobs, and these are the running backs. At receiver: Calvin Ridley, Robert Foster, Cam Sims. 
and two other true freshmen in Henry Ruggs, the third, and, and Jerry Duty. I'm done yet. There's one more, Herb Smith Jr. So in 2017, when Jalen Hurts was the starter, all of these people caught more passes. They were ahead of, essentially, ahead of Devontae Smith in, in that depth chart uh, at that school, right? By 2018, Tua had replaced Hurts. And he, so, right, so he didn't move immediately after. He stayed there for 2018. He came in, I guess, on some gadget plays and whatever. And every now and then, you know, he replaced two or whatnot. The man had 51 um, receptions. Um, yeah. 51 from, from 70 attempts, right? This is Jalen Hurts. And two, um, no, sorry, 51 from 70. And what's his name? Devontae had 42 catches from for 693 yards. Now, there's no way that if Hertz was coming off the bench with 51 and had 51 um, um, receptions in, in total, um, that all of Devontae's catches, receptions were from him. So after I, th I thought about everything, I feel like this is, I, I just don't know if they have the on-field rapport necessary to, to like just translate to the NFL one time. I feel like they still need to build this. I, I, I do like I do like the other ones. Like if we're ranking them, I, I rank this at, at at fourth, below all of them, right? In terms mm. of the the reunions, right? And you touch on something, and I'm going to touch on that as well. The same night, I was thinking that it was. <laughs> I sat down. My wife once again. You know, I love when a woman sits down and watch watches sporting events with me. I know I know she would watch the Super Bowl, but I didn't expect her to be next to me watching the draft. She did. And, and it was because of this, right? Um, I, I, I called the Kyle Pitts to Atlanta, and then afterwards I told her, look, look at the Bengals about to take Jamar Chase when they should take Penny Sewer, right? <laughs> Lo and behold, they did that. So after that, she kind of got interested in it, and we were talking, I think, because like you, I was thinking, this makes no sense. Like, your, your, your franchise was injured just last, last year with a serious injury. The first thing you should be doing is looking to get protection. Like, you'll always have receivers. But... The more I thought about that as well, now I've done a complete 180 on that. And that is my number one reunion of these four. I think this one has the potential to be the greatest. Jamar, let me let me go over this. Oh, especially since um their very next pick, Cincinnati in the second round, they went off, they went offensive tackle. So they did address the need, but they just didn't take, I guess, one of the two best, two of the highest rated were. Penny Sewell and Rashawn Slater, who ended up with the Chargers, right? Jamar Chase's 2019 season with Joe, Joe Burrow. The 20 receiving touchdowns, a new record. Uh, well, it was a new record at that time. It was broken by Devontae Smith the next year. And that was, in that season is when Joe Burrow threw the records, uh, um, touchdown passes, 60 touchdown passes, right? <laughs> I've seen reception. Yeah, I don't know why the word passes wasn't coming to me before. I'm sorry. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, right, he had six, this is Jamar Chase now, again, six games over 100 yards, an additional three over 200 yards, in, one of those include, that was included in the national championship that they won with LSU, and he had 84 receptions in total for 1,780 yards, and was awarded the best receiver in college football in that 2019. 2020, he opted out, because due to COVID and whatnot, decided to just focus on preparing for the draft, right? So the last time this man actually played football, his quarterback was Joe Burrow. So based, based on that alone, like I, I looked up the others too, but based on this alone, right? 
Uh, oh, and you know what? He, what made me like this even more? This is not the only, only reunion, Ken. Did you know that the Bengals cl um, cleared Thaddeus Moss off of waivers from Washington? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the men are really trying to bring back this LSU offense. Uh, Thaddeus Moss, Randy Moss's tight end son. Yeah, didn't cut it with with Washington. Apparently, uh, got cut. Yeah, so they claim him. So now he's a part of that offense, and we know he was a part of the LSU winning offense as well. The only person missing here is, is Justin Jefferson. They're going to get him. But I like it. I like it. Especially since, because of the Thaddeus Moss thing. So I like that trio um, being back there. So yeah, this, that, this, is the, this was the main, the main takeaway for me. The, the, the number one reunion. So for me, familiarity does matter. I'm not going to sit here and poo-poo on all of it and say that it does not matter. Because if you, as a quarterback, you have familiarity with your skill position players, then you have an understanding of how they like to move and they have an understanding of where you like to put the ball. So to me, the wide receiver quarterback connections will matter more than Travis Etienne going to Jacksonville as a running back because the expectation is not that Etienne is going to go and he's going to be their three down back. He's not expected to be the one that's going to carry the ball 35 times a game as soon as he comes in because they still have the good undrafted, well, he's not a rookie, no, he's in his sophomore season, James Robinson, who did extremely good for them last season. So, it will be interesting to see exactly how good these two are going to be compared to the other reunions that you that we are looking at. Now, you made mention of Jamar Chase going to Cincinnati, which will help him and it will also help Joe Burrow. As I said, my thing is, if you are Cincinnati, I don't care if you picked a tackle in the second round. You should have taken a tackle in the first round. You have a cornerback, you have a cornerstone piece of your offense in your quarterback. You need to protect him. There are skill position players that you can find at every level of this draft. You are able to pick up guys as undrafted free agents that can help your team significantly. I mean, the Eagles had no choice but to be grabbing undrafted free agents everywhere because all of their receivers were hurt. And they were still able to put out some semblance of an offense. So if you have the opportunity, you're drafting that high that you can grab pretty much any tackle off the board because you're picking fourth. And the top three teams ahead of you are not looking at tackles. They're all looking at quarterbacks. So basically, you can pick... Whoever you want, as long as the kid, the first three rows do not exist, you can do whatever you feel like because you know that what they're looking for, you're not looking for. And you decide that you're going to take away receiver, I don't know. But they apparently, they get paid the money that I don't get paid to think about these things. So they're banking on the familiarity of Jamar Chase, helping Joe Burrow, who was kind of lighting the league on fire, just before he got his knee hurt. So, okay, maybe that makes sense. Now, I understood from an, a different perspective why Philadelphia would want to get 
Devonta Smith for Jalen Hurts. Now, as you so eloquently put, there's not a lot of familiarity between the two of them. However, even though they may not have had as much game time, you would expect that they would have had some practice time. There would have been some yeah, opportunities yeah. for them to, to get familiar with each other during the practice sessions. Therefore, mm-hmm. him coming over to help Oh, Jalen Hurts, who has not to this point developed a reputation as being an accurate passer, it can't hurt him. Tua, likewise, he too has not developed a reputation as being an accurate passer. The fact that they were bringing in the pinch hitter every time he was in trouble or the team needed a little spark on offense would mm. show that they were not 100% convinced by him. The addition... But the additional thing where you heard all of this noise the entire offseason up until things got a little bit dicey for him, that they were contemplating trading to get Deshaun Watson instead of rolling it, running it back with Tua again, would show that the Dolphins as well have not been 100% convinced about Tua. Just like with Jalen Hurts, we were hearing that the Eagles were talking about picking a quarterback to give him competition. But if you have a franchise quarterback, you're not picked. Patriots never picked a quarterback to give competition to Tom Brady. The Saints never did it to Drew Brees. Pittsburgh has never done it to Ben Roethlisberger. The Giants, they should have done it, but they never did it to Eli Manning. You do not pick quarter. You do not pick competition for your starting quarterback, which we can also readdress a little bit later on in the show. So, when I look at these deals, I understand. I understand why some of these clubs would make the picks that they did to help their quarterbacks out. However, to me, some of them, they should have probably gone in a different direction. Like, I don't really care what the Dolphins do. They're in your division, not mine. And the Dolphins are not in a position... Right now, they're not away, they were not a way receiver away from contending. However, I'm seeing a lot of chatter post the draft where people are saying that they did such a good job with the draft that they have an outside shot at challenging in your division for the division title. I am not 100% convinced. The last time, as far as I can tell, that the Dolphins were really good and were really relevant, they had Dan Marino as quarterback. So I am not putting much faith in them at this point. The NFC East, I mean, it may sound like if we dog the NFC East majority of the time, but they make it easy for us. The division is no good. So anything can happen, especially when we talk about the fact that, you know, the Giants got screwed out of getting Devontae Smith because the Eagles traded with the Cowboys. We'll, we'll see how that goes. You have to love it. You have to love it. Have to, and then the ASC South. Like at this point, there's no telling how the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to actually improve. Know that they have Trevor Lawrence, they have Travis Etienne, they also have a couple other pieces coming in because they know in the second round that they took a tackle, which would help to shore up their offensive line. For all intents and purposes, they should be better, but I know you don't really care for the head coach, so. We'll see. I, we'll see I mean, if he gets the job done, cool. I just won't be singing his praises. But I, I kind of do want Trevor to succeed a little bit. I mean, I've been following him. I like, I like when these guys get drafted, man. I, I don't necessarily want to see them fail per se. But, you know, 
it, 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 I just won't sing the guy's praises, but he did to do a job, you know. I mean, but okay, so so to kind of um go back to something you were saying, I I guess okay, so the, I what I was thinking with regards to the Bengals that that sort of changed my mind too is a, a division. If you have a division outlook, right? They're yeah. in a division now where <laughs> for them it's going to be extremely tough. You have three teams who just really made the playoffs in your division, right? Um, all of them being touted as potential winners for the division and then and, and teams that could go back to the playoffs again. So I guess you don't want to be left behind. So as much as... Because I, I mentioned that they did take a an offensive tackle with their second pick in the draft, Jackson Carmen. And he was actually... He was, he was highly rated as well. Not as high as Penny Sewell or Rashawn Slater, but he's still very highly rated. 6.8 something late and the other two were like seven point something but i think his talent is still good enough for what they wanted to do if 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 they had gone about not doing that i would i i i, I would have to dig in i would have dug into them a bit more and had to um excoriate them a bit more but the fact that as you said they were picking that higher based on their division and the fact that you have a receiver here now who is who has been in in your quarterback's entire career, college and pro, he's been his best receiver. So why not go for him and, and just reunite them? As you said, the familiarity um, with knowing the runs and, you know, what they do on the field, that is like the most important thing. So I I, I got it at the end of the day. I, I think it was a wise decision. Well, time will tell. Mm -hmm. At this point, at this point, honestly, I am just so happy that the draft is gone because the, the main thing and I've, I've said this multiple times in multiple places, and I'll say it one more time. The main reason, one of the things that annoy me most about draft coverage is that most of these teams tell so many lies. There is so much lying and posturing that these teams do every year for this draft because nobody wants to tip their hand. Nobody wants to say that, you know, we are doing this or we are doing that or as like, okay. So we knew coming into draft that the first overall pick was going to be Trevor Lawrence, regardless of which team was picking. So regardless of which team was picking, we knew Trevor Lawrence is going to be the number one overall pick. Then we had, so when they had the flip-flopping then of the Jets and the uh, Jaguars, then we had a pretty good idea of who was going to be the number two pick because everybody was saying then that the Jets were definitely going to pick that quarterback whose name currently is escaping me, um, Zach Wilson. So they decided that they were going to get Zach Wilson especially when they traded Sam Darnold because the question was always going to be, do you trust in Sam? Are you going to keep Sam? Or what have you. Then after the, the San Francisco 49ers gave up the firm to get to number three, then that was the, the big secret. We, they didn't know who they were going to pick. Was it going to be Matt Jones that they were going to pick? Was it going to be uh, Trey Lance that they were going to pick? So then they ended up picking Trey Lance, which kind of shocked pretty much everybody that they picked Trey Lance. And I was like, okay, no, those lies will stop. And there, there was the whole talk of 
these other teams and what they might do, where is um, Justin Fields going to land? Where is he going to fall? And they had the talk of maybe he's going to fall to 15 to your Patriots. So, as you are the Patriots homer of the Green Beige podcast, AJ, tell me about your drafts. What do you think about what the Patriots did in this draft? Um, all right, so quick rundown. Mark Jones in the first round. Mark Jones, QB, first round. Christian Barmore, Barmore defensive lineman. Ronnie Perkins, defensive lineman, second and third round. Um, uh, Ramondre Stevenson running back in the fourth. Cameron McGrown, linebacker in the fifth. Joshua Bledsoe and um, William Sherman, safety and offensive lineman in the sixth. And then somebody named Trey Nixon, a wide receiver in the seventh. Now, um, I won't lie to you, right? Honestly, Barmore was actually my favorite pick of ours. Christian Barmore was actually my favorite pick of ours because he was the, the, national, the, the national championship defensive MVP the, in 2021 for that 2020 season. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when Alabama won. So I was actually very happy with that pick. I think that's something that is needed. I don't know if he's, I don't even know if he's going to start from, from week one, but still, he's somebody that could develop into, yeah, supposed, highly touted to develop into uh, like at, at least a Pro Bowl sort of talent, right? Um, I like what we did generally. Um, based on how our free agency was, I wasn't expecting many offensive um, weapons to be drafted. And I think Bill already knows how much he botches I think he's accepted it, he's, that he botches the draft when it comes to offensive players. So um, I was expecting him to go defense. You know, that's his forte. And um, in addition, we have a couple of players that are returning that opted out last year because of COVID. Uh, even though it's only really Dante Hightower that matters, because some of them already get released, traded, one retired. So, yeah. <laughs> and actually, I saw I saw earlier today that we picked up the fifth-year option on Isaiah Wynn. So... He was a first round pick from, was it 2017? 2017, 18, 19, 20, 20, 2018, sorry. So he's locked up for this year and next year until 2022. I, I like him, been decent. Um, I did expect us to take one of the quarterbacks. Like I said earlier, obviously I, I kind of wanted it to be Justin Fields, but it didn't play out that way. Mark Jones fell to us. So after, after Justin went and Mark was the only one on the board, I, 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 I resigned myself to the fact that this was going to happen. I don't dislike Mark Jones, but he just wasn't one of the ones that I had rated very highly. Um, and I guess, too, because we have Cam, like, he's like the polar opposite of Cam. So, so <laughs> trying to, to build and structure an offense for Cam, is, is, is it would look the same as if it's structuring it for him. Mind you, I think Camps should be starting from week one. Building, do all of this in free agency to, to be in a, in a rebuild. He is trying to make the playoffs and Cam gives us the, the best option to do so from week one. So Cam can play until it's evident that he should be benched. Uh, hopefully he has a better year this year. <laughs> and yeah. Um... <laughs> yeah, That's so, so that, that should happen. Huh? It's so rough on Cam. No, 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 no. I expect I do. I did say previously, and I stand by it. I expect him to be better this year. He has a little more time to work with the team, and you know, yeah, he won't be catching COVID again. So, um, yeah. It generally, I, I like what we did. I, I saw somewhere that we got an A on the draft. And maybe I'm just very harsh with the team. I never give us an A when it comes to drafting. So it didn't seem like an A to me, but I thought they were solid picks. I, um. 
it seems like reinforcement in some cases and yeah just making sure the defense is the defense is is, is uh, stable and a lot better than last year uh in terms of the offense you know i still have my issues with that but we'll see how things unfold i i do believe honestly do believe at some point we're going to see mark jones this season though i do believe so okay well the one thing that jumped out to me looking at these draft picks this season for the Patriots. Well, first off, you home, what you said about Matt Jones versus Cam Newton is very, very apt. Um, Matt is known to be a pocket passer. Cam is considered to have a weakness when it is passing from the pocket. So what you're saying is very fair um, in terms of the development of your offense with regards to yeah. who's starting at quarterback. But we know that the expectation is not that Cam is going to be your quarterback for the future. Cam is probably is only going Our to time. be there. Yeah, he's only there for this year. And more than likely, he will be gone elsewhere, if not just being a backup. And he will be one of those backups, like um, any other backup who goes to a team and expects to just hold the clipboard unless the starter gets hurt. So... And I am harsh. No, but but what I'm saying, if Cam stays with the Patriots past this season, and Mark Jones is starting at the end of the year, there's no there's no chance that Cam Newton gets back on the field. I I I'm just saying you you're calling Cam me harsh. Is, Cam and I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying you're harsh. Same way I am. You know? No, but I'm I'm just I'm just being honest for the people. Because yeah. just yeah. like Mr. Trubisky gone over to... Yeah, to, he's um, seen a minute. Exactly. He, Josh, he, Josh, Josh will have to be injured. Correct. Buffalo is not putting him on the field. Just yeah. like how the Patriots will not put Cam on the field if Cam is there next year. That is just <laughs> the reality of the situation. No, the, the other thing that jumped out to me in this, court, in this draft for the Patriots is that you didn't have any of the, the complaints that you had over the last couple of years. There was no Sonny Michelle taken as opposed to Nick Chubb. Sonny Michelle, whose fifth-year option has been declined, by the way. Then you there, surprised, really? There is no Nikhil Harry taken as opposed to DK Metcalf. There were none of those glaring faux pas <laughs> on the part of your um, GM and your head coach, and all these other people who are involved in the drafting of your players. So, we will see. Of course, as I always say, it is not as if I am over here rooting for you guys, but we will see what happens. Now, the Saints, they also, you know, they made their draft picks in this, this draft. They took Peyton Turner, defensive end, at 28. They brought in this Pete Werner, linebacker from Ohio State in the second round. We brought in Paulson Adebo, cornerback from Stanford in third, as well as Ian Book, cornerback. Hmm? His last name is Edible, you said? No, <laughs> Adebo. Oh, Adebo, Adebo. Okay, okay. I swear you said that. Paulson Adebo, <laughs> yes. Okay, go we ahead. Have, um, Ian Book, quarterback, Landon Young, offensive tackle, and Kawan Baker, wide receiver. So, 
I made mention of this in the draft. I, you, I hope you remember this. When I saw that we picked up Peyton Turner, my immediate reaction was, we picked a defensive lineman? When we had yeah, issues, yeah, I do recall that. I do recall we have that. issues at wide receiver because we know that we don't have great positional depth past uh, Mike Thomas. We lost cornerbacks this season. We didn't pick a corner. Okay, we're not in the position to grab one of the best corners in, in the draft, but there's still first-round level talent that you can get. We're picking 28th. Come on. It's not like if to say, it's not like if this is one of the snake drafts that we have when we're picking in fantasy that you can pick 28th this round and pick 5th next round. No. <laughs> you're picking 28th or thereabouts every round. Yes, so yes. why then aren't you grabbing guys that will fill the holes that we have? Okay, so I saw that it said that Peyton Turner is is not expected to be like the starter next to Cam Jordan. We did pick up the fifth-year option for Marcus Davenport, who is expected then to be the other pass rusher on the defensive end in the defensive end position. But Marcus Davenport to this so far, he has not shown the level of production that we've been hoping for. But we're going to ride with him because we couldn't afford to pay Trey Hendrickson, so he had to go. Right. Okay. So, on top of that, the quarterback, the only quarterback that you're picking to draft is a fourth-rounder who's projected to not be anything better than a backup. So, then that means that you're really expecting Jameis to be the one to carry this offense because nobody believes that you think that Taysom Hill is it. Taysom Hill better not be it. But <laughs> anyhow, so you, you don't pick, you pick a corner in the third round, you pick a wide receiver in the seventh round. The linebacker that they picked in the second round is supposed to be good. He's supposed to really be good for us. And the expectation is that he could be a starter next to Demario Davis come September. So, okay. But when you look at a lot of, like, I, because I'm, I don't hide it. It's not as if to say that I'm a draft guru. I don't crunch college tape. I can't tell you where I think all of these guys are supposed to fall. So I listen to the, the guys that are supposed to you know, know about these things. When Malachi Perv rated the Saints draft, he gave it a C. And he said that the majority of the players that they picked were reaches, that they, they went higher than their draft or what he has slated as their draft, their expected draft position. Now, I saw that when um, they talked to Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis and they talked about the things that they look for when they're trying to make the determinations as to who's, who to draft, they came up with the acronym WISH which it talked about, um, I think it was, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong on the W, but I think it was weight, intelligence, size, sorry, speed, and height. So when you see the players that they have brought in and uh, have done good for us who may not necessarily have been drafted by us or anything, they usually rate highly on these, at least three of these four characters. Where receivers and corners have to be fast and 
the intelligence to do what the coaches were wanting them to do is very important. But at the same time, when they see what, when they think of where we were, and I saw some of the players who went after we picked, and that we only picked a wide receiver in the seventh round is it makes me wonder if Sean Payton took a page out of Bill Belichick's book and just decided, well, we're gonna pick a wide receiver because you know we have to pick a wide receiver, but we're not really putting much into the wide receiver position. I know the tables have turned. It burned my heart <laughs> when I saw the what the positions that we draft, not the individual players. I, I don't wish badly on any of them. I hope that they come in and they make us fantastic. And even since then, like I saw the Saints picked up 11 undrafted free agents. And I think at least three of them were receivers. I'm like, but if you're going to pick these guys up, why couldn't you pick some guys in the draft? But again, they get paid the big bucks to work these things out. I don't. So... <sighs> 